These whippersnappers, they don't know the struggles we had. Grandpa, put your teeth in. I can't understand you. Welcome to the Kindred Spirit Podcast, a show all about the board game Spirit Island. Here we'll talk about analytics and strategies within the game, as well as a plethora of other topics that can be found within it. Today we are going to go over the very recent errata and FAQ changes that dropped, and we are going to give you our first impressions of said changes. Very first impression. This is going to get weird. Let's do it! So given the fact that this just dropped, what, this past week? Eric Royce dropped a nuke. I know. (laughs) On the Spirit Island community. I don't think anyone was expecting this. No. It was quite out of the blue. So this episode is going to be a little bit more informal than Mm. usual. Not super structured. No. We're just going to give our gut reactions to a lot of these things. We're just going to be firing on all pistons, I guess. Ryan, what's going on? What happened? (laughs) Shadows was removed from the game. Oh! Oh! (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I like aspect shadows. After all they've done to like salvage the We're character. We're trying so <laughs> Well, the year was 2021. It was January. Things were off to a shaky start. Then Eric Royce dropped this bot! <laughs> Pretty much. Hoy, boy, where to start? Yeah, so to those of you who don't know what an errata is, the actual word errata might be something you've never heard before. Well, an errata is simply what we refer to in gaming. It's usually a gaming thing where a company has a set of rules that is already established established in its player base and they will go and tweak some of the rules that their game runs by. But in the board game's case obviously they have printed books and printed things. It's not like a video game where you can just go like beep 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 and type up. A patch. Right. Type it up on a keyboard and be like alright guys here it is and we change the things and when you play the game the next time it'll update and it's going to be like bink done. Yep. So it'll do all of the upkeeping for you. Well board gaming obviously is a physical medium. It's not a digital medium. So in order to change things, you either have to in a future expansion, retcon something that happened in the past, or you use these, a FAQ and errata system, to go and convey the changes to the various rules. So, here we are and in January of 21, Eric released a bunch of FAQ changes and errata changes. What this means is there are a few rules throughout the games, whether it be the base game or some of the expansions or a little bit of both, that are now being tweaked. Mm -hmm. Some of them are being changed a little bit more than others, there's a lot that has been completely untouched. Some of this, I'm sure you won't ever run into. Or yep. maybe you will one time in playing 100 sure. games. Yep. But just to sum up the synopsis at a glance to those who don't know what an errata is, this usually is a change to a rule or something within a board game that you, the player, should start doing from here on out moving forward. Now, they have said that a lot of these changes and FAQ stuff that we are seeing from this FAQ will be incorporated into the rule books of future expansions. So that is actually pretty cool. Yep. And, and also that we're getting future expansions. And we're getting future expansions. Woohoo! Always good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. For some reason, I didn't know if Jagged Earth was going to be the last, but because it was so huge, I was worried that it was going to be like a out with a bang. This yeah. is it. This is like the last thing. But I'm so glad to see and hear from multiple sources and from Eric himself a long time ago in BGG that they have some future stiff. In As if the- we didn't have enough to talk about already. Oh, I know. With just what we have now. And it gives this podcast longevity. (laughs) (laughs) It keeps us alive. Keeps us going. (laughs) Anyway, 
So, that is the basic intro that I think I can really explain. That was good. I nice guess. Job. So, oh, by the way, we are going to put a link to this FAQ change on all of these things in the comment section of this episode. That way, if you want to see it for your own eyes, you can go ahead and do so. Because we're only going to be going over basically what we think are the most impactful to us. Yeah. The most biggest <laughs> nice. changes. <laughs> English. <Hey>, Greta. <laughs> Well, you know, just the biggest changes that we think are probably the most impactful. And I read this whole thing and it was too long. Yeah, I read it too and it was a doozy for a lot of things. There comes a moment where some stuff is easy to understand and other things you're looking at it and when you keep seeing technical and more technical and more technical and more technical <laughs> verbiage and it gets really specific, your eyes start to glaze and you're just like... What I found to be easiest is just to, like, if I have a rules question, jump on the Discord real quick, because people usually respond fast. I'm like, hey, can I do this? And I'll say no. Oh, they are lightning fast. So, Thanks, MJ. Thanks, MJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100% agree. So, let's go and discuss... The big one? Probably the biggest change in this, and that is the Blight change. Is this the biggest change ever to Spirit Island? Uh, I wouldn't know. This feels the, big. I'm not an expert on the social history of Spirit Island. Okay. I only know like basic game stuff. And I don't even know everything. Heck, I only know a little bit. But since I've been following the game, this might be one of the bigger changes. And that is, as you know, when you set up a game of Spirit Island and you are setting up the board and you are using a Blight card, you are supposed to place two Blight per player on that Blight card. So if it's a solo game, that's two. And if it's two players, it's four. And three players, it's six. Some Vice- people don't play with a card. Right. And if you don't play with a card at all, that will be five per player. Mm-hmm. So if you have three players, that's 15 blight. And that was it. That's the rules. Yeah. That's just how it's been. However, now, <clears throat> the new change is now we get one extra blight oh. to the healthy island card from now on. So officially it says add exactly one additional blight to the healthy island card during setup only. What this means is we get a single, and I stress that, a single extra blight just during the setup. allowance. Correct. So this does not mean one new blight per player. It's not per player. It's just simply one. A what if single you flip the blight one. card over? Do you get an additional blight? <laughs> this is a question for the audience no you do not you do because not. <laughs> this says healthy island card so what this means is a solo player will now have three blight wow and two players will have five blight and so on and so on and three players will have seven blight mm-hmm. and why not it's not too hard to remember just simply do two per player plus one so okay i'm gonna play a game how many players do you have i have four okay two per player eight plus one is nine yep. your blight threshold is nine so it's actually not super super hard to remember. The big effect that this has is this makes the game easier. That's the big elephant in the room is, did this just make the game easier? Okay. So I did see someone ask like, you know how in Jagged Earth they have the still healthy Mm -hmm. island cards? Like you've said, it doesn't change that. Right. You don't add an additional one after still healthy. Correct. You start the game with one and then you go from there. Mm -hmm. By the way, the answer is an overwhelming yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think it does make it easier, kind of? It does make it easier. The overwhelming yes that I just said is to the fact it does make it easier but it doesn't make it significantly easier it's very obvious that now your blight threshold is now just a little bit easier your margin for error is just a little bit more forgiving if you were balancing on a tightrope that was three inches wide now you were doing one that is five inches wide just a little bit so you still got to balance but it's still just a little bit easier there's this term being floated around now or it's probably been around but it 
is called usable blights. Mm -hmm. So when you were just a solo player, you had one usable blight that you could use as a resource. But Mm -hmm. once you got to two, you flip the card. Mm -hmm. So now you have an additional usable blight. And that's something that we noticed, definitely something I noticed when I first started looking at Jagged Earth and all the stuff in it was, you know, blight at first really looked like a nope don't want it i never want to see it get it away from me no 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 bad 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 but when i looked at jagged earth and i told you this and we've said this on episodes in the past which was it really looks like and feels like blight is now a tool yep it is now a functioning thing now it is detrimental to the player if wielded improperly or excessively but it still is a tool dangerous albeit but it's still a tool it still is a lost condition but until that last Last one's pulled off the card. You still are right. winning. And so once I fully accepted that feeling, that emotion of Blight is a tool, mm-hmm. I was looking at how much Blight we can quote unquote use now. Like how much Blight do I have to work with? It says literally one minus however much Blight you have. How yep. much Blight do you have currently? That's uh, how it much... looks like our Blight threshold is seven because of whatever circumstance. All right, well, I can use six of it. Maybe five of exactly. it. Exactly. And once, like what you said a long time ago is basically Blight isn't harmful until you get to that last one. Yep. Maybe last two, depending on what spirit you're playing. And I agree. So I always thought that like, all right, well, if I start looking at Blight as usable Blight, let's see how much I have to work with. Ooh, it's not much to work Especially with. Especially in low player so, counts. So what I always thought of, of ways to maximize your usable Blight, it would probably have to be a multiplayer game because it's really hard with those thresholds to make that quite efficient with low player counts, especially solo. So the best way for me to use efficient usable Blight was to have maybe three or four players plus Mm -hmm. and have one guy on the team be a Blight user while a few people and heck, maybe even every other person Blight removal. Being a Blight removal person because then all of the ratios are completely changed. So if I go and play a solo game with Wildfire, there's two Blight per player. Well, that means I have a single usable Blight light. Uh, Technically a second pair if you want to consider wildfire starting position. But what I mean is you don't have a lot here. Now, transition from a solo game with wildfire to a four player game while you are still playing wildfire now it's two per player four players that is eight blight minus one you don't want eight there you can use seven now me as the wildfire player can use seven if everyone else agrees and shakes their hand on the strategy to commit to blight removal so that we can allow mr blight user to go crazy What I just described is basically how I've always looked at this whole usable blight thing. But now this kind of shifts a lot of things that were sufficiently in place in my mind for a while. I think this is going to help a lot of the blight users. I think the first thing that comes to all of our minds are the blight users. I think that wildfire, I think that vengeance, and I think that volcano, for instance, and heck, maybe even stone. This is a indirect buff to those guys. Perhaps a bit more direct for vengeance and wildfire. Yes. But an indirect buff nonetheless to all of them because these characters use Blight. And so with any character that uses Blight or if you were playing someone where you started to build your character into a Blight user, perhaps you were maybe going for a really offensive trickster build or maybe you're using a really high damaging Starlight build that also uses Blight and you were getting cards that move it around and do damage with it like the land thrashes in furious pain, like this kind of thing. We all know that you can build spirits into certain 
certain roles. Yes. So if you were one of those characters I described where you built yourself into more of a Blight user, you now can go a little bit further with those strategies. Mm-hmm. That stake is a bit juicier. That strategy is a bit more appealing because you have just a little bit more room for error because it's not going to be as strict. You want to be measured. You want to be very calculated with your usages on all these things, but it's just a little bit easier. I think that these slow characters, characters that are kind of maybe a bit slower to get going, these late bloomers, characters whose qualities don't really show too much until the late game where they can go ham, I think these characters got a little bit better. Why? Because if these characters are ones where they need to take a little while to spool up and get that ball rolling, in the early game they might have a lot of blight come in here or there because they're not strong enough to stop they're it. They're not formed yet. Early game base shadows comes to mind. I can think of some serpent players who maybe they're not accustomed to that yep. spirit because that spirit takes a little while to go. I think shifting memory in a way as well because of their inability to have a bunch of cards at their disposal that actually target lands and influence lands. Mm-hmm. So I think that they also get a little bit of buff. I think that Shroud of Silent Mist also gets a little bit of a buff because in my opinion, Shroud of Silent Mist has a single thumb sideways or single thumb down for early game, but two thumbs up for the mid game and late game. Yes. I have it broken down into tiers of how oh, do you? it helps spirits. Wow, you got a lot more time than I do. <laughs> but just saying that I think that since Mist has a difficult early game, mm-hmm. I think this Blight Threshold change just slightly helps them. So Mist, Serpent, Memory, yeah. Shadows, these are characters that are a little bit helped because of this. I also think that this changes some of the landscapes for adversaries as well. I think that this helps with Sweden, with Scotland, with Habsburg, with France, basically any adversary that incorporates Blight somehow with their gameplay. Yes, I know that Blight is never a good thing when your adversary is going ham, so it doesn't have to be those ones specifically. I'm just saying there are some adversaries that specifically have a unique effect with Blight for various things. Sure. And so, whether it be Sweden and their extra Blight, whether it be the healing ecosystem with France, whether it be Habsburg doing the irreparable damage Mm -hmm. and all this Blight here and there, just for all these things, I think the whole scope of these matchups with both these spirits, with certain cards that use Blight, with these adversaries, I think that whether it's a little bit harder, a little bit easier, I think easier maybe isn't the correct word because there's still a lot of variables in play with this game. I think the correct term would be it just shifted. Yeah. It just shifted a little bit and I think it shifted in the favor of the player. So I'm not going to say the game got easier. I'm going to say the game shifted to a more favorable position to the player. I think it made it more even for lower player counts. I think Mm. everyone, say you're playing, like you were describing, four six player games. If you break it down to one or two spirits, I think it's all very much even for usable I think this is hugely impactful for solo play and duo play, but solo play the most. I think that that has the biggest change there. This is huge. Huge. Look at the difference when you have a blight threshold with four players. It was eight. Now it's nine. Huh. Okay, look at the difference when you're a solo player. You have two Blight, now you have three. Mm -hmm. That's like a 50% increase. Yeah, 1.5. It's a big deal for a solo player to get an extra Blight there. All right, I want to talk about the spirits more. You touched on it. I think 2021 is going to be the year of Vengeful Wildfire. Yeah, I agree. I I think so too. I think that's like the top tier because they utilize Blight. Right, it's their entire shtick. It's the whole kit. So Steam actually released Wildfire as a playable spirit. So I've been playing a little bit more wildfire it's really fun but it always felt a little awkward at right. times especially like you were saying in lower player counts
rounds. Well, in the base game, Blight was still just a straight up bad thing. Yeah. So here you have a Blight user. And only bad Blight cards. Right. And the Blight cards are just absolutely awful. Bad to worse are the so Blight cards. So the risk was significantly higher. So I'm just like, I'll just play <laughs> Lightning or Thunderspeaker if I want to be an offensive spirit. Right. But now you get that extra Blight and I'm like, ooh, I get a little more wiggle room. Mm-hmm. And I think if you play Wildfire with this new rule and Jagged Earth, which introduced Badlands, right. that's a lot of damage. It is. That meme is getting thrown a lot these days, but Sorry. it's true. It is. It's like, <laughs> say, you know, there's Blight that Wildfire can be okay with and be right. still in safety, and then all these Badlands are sprouting up. Right, and you are allowed to tweak the pool of Blight cards you pick yeah. from now. This affects that. Now you can be not nearly as risky. Yeah. So I think Wildfire gets a big buff, and mm. then Vengeance we talked about in our first impressions. Yeah. And felt a little meh, right? Yeah. Is this like a good descriptor? In my hands, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it changes and it just warps how you want to play the game and just spirits in general. It gives that character more ammo. It lets that it character another, get more blight out there. It's another bullet in the chamber. Right, honestly. and for them that is an additional damage yeah. because it counts it as Badlands. I'm in agreement with you. Like we said, I think that Vengeance and Wildfire get the biggest buff here. I have a question. I What's think up? this one singular change, and I won't get into where, and we'll talk about tier lists eventually. That'll be a whole mm-hmm. other series. But for me... This bumps up at least Wildfire a whole tier. Yeah, uh, I haven't done a game since this change with Wildfire, but I will soon. And I kind of want we to... have one on the table. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think about it because I'm like, I want to... You don't want to be too reactionary. Like, oh, S tier, you know? Right. I want to see it. I want to experience the change. And I don't think it's going to be like crazy different, but I also don't want to make a claim without having the experience to back it up, you know? know i kind of wanted to feel it out see what's gonna happen because this just dropped all right you know literally within days ago yeah days ago and so i do really want to try i think it's interesting because wildfire uses blight in the fact that it's not like vengeance you know vengeance uses and interacts with the blight a little bit more than wildfire does wildfire uses blight because targeting lands targeting lands with powers and just simply wildfires associated with blight because they are just constantly spitting it everywhere yeah. But that's not a completely integrated gameplay. Volcano, for instance. Yes, playing with Volcano, you'll have Blight out there a lot, depending on how you structure your volcanic eruptions. Yeah. But Volcano doesn't really, really integrate their gameplay with Blight. You know what I mean? Vengeance is the one that instantly right. comes to With mind. Wildfire and Volcano, it's more of a symptomatic consequence yeah. of them being on the field. Wildfire, a little bit more so than Volcano, I think. But... But with Vengeance, it's a lot more interactive. I think you're going to be more okay with letting your presence die. Letting things build to generate fear with the Mm. disease. And then letting yourself die so you get that blight. Like, you're going to be more okay. But before, it's like, I want to defend the land. I want to skip that ravage with powers or what have you. But now you're going to be like, I kind of want to blight. I have a little extra cushion to let a blight. It's a little bit of a cushion. Yeah. It's not crazy, but it's a little bit. I think Wildfire, with this extra longevity of the blight, pool you can get to your right innate burned Take, land regrows yes so sometimes it takes a little bit to actually unlock that or it does so now you can grow a little bit faster to get that quicker so maybe you get to the threshold of the 
blight card, but then mm-hmm. you can start taking it away. Right. Because you always told me you never want two blight in land. Nope. With wildfire. Nope. In my experience, I only like having one blight because that is just enough for me to meet all of my requirements yep. for my powers and stuff, but it's too much for the threshold. Yeah. Having two is just straining the threshold too much. But so. sometimes that happens with wildfire and you're like, I'm not able to repair the land yet. Mm-hmm. You know, this blight change kind of makes it weird and interesting for me because I was halfway through my own personal solo series. I was going to ask you about that. And what's weird is what do I do now? Because do I go and finish my series with the rule set of the core base game without this new blight change? Or do I just change it halfway through? I say adjust it. Honestly, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to finish the entire roster with the base game rule set. Really? I think I will. Arm time behind your back. It's either that or I completely start over. Yeah. Completely start over. And this series of mine I haven't even mentioned before. This is something I was doing privately. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was gathering data for that. Yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of people are happy to hear because there is a pretty big subset community of Spirit Island of solo gamers. Yeah, there seems to be a big wall between uh, a lot of the solo players versus multiplayer players. I play this game solo-y, but usually two to three. I like that synergy Mm -hmm. and like the cooperation, but there's a lot of people... Just one spirit. Yep. I actually really enjoy doing one spirit because to me that really, and I mean really highlights for me the character's strengths and flaws. And flaws. Emphasis on the flaws. (laughs) But I think that's beneficial though because to me as a player that allows me to understand the character much quicker Mm. and understand their capabilities, their lack of capabilities. And to me that knowledge comes at a faster rate, in my opinion anyway, but hey, that's something that not everyone likes to have, and that is totally fine. Yeah. Playing solo in this game is an entirely different animal. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that's so cool about this game was how the game changes from one player to two to three to four to five and all that jazz. But I actually really enjoy the one player aspect because it's a complete different and I think a challenging change to the game. And one thing that I think is actually really cool is that when board games have a solo mode, they usually have something that is just insanely different. Like even the gameplay is completely different where maybe the game usually is meant to have other players in it. Right. Sometimes so, it feels tacked on. It does feel maybe tacked on for some like, but well, in other ones they have some way to automate another player. So if I'm playing a game of Western Legends or Mezzo those are games that usually incorporate multiple other players but if you do the solo mode for either of those games they have ways to automate the other players right. and the North Sea series does this as well along with the West Kingdom series. All, a lot of board games I do this. I heard Root can do this as well. Yes, yes. Root is actually really unique in the fact that every single faction in the game can be automated. Yeah. You can have them whether on your team or fighting against them. Which is cool. Which is really cool. Point being, Spirit Island is probably the only game that I have encountered so far who doesn't need to have this crazy, ridiculous, different mm. rule set that comes in. It's the same Nothing game. Nothing changes. It's the exact same game. You're still playing the same cards going up against the same bad guys on the same plays it's just the ratios have changed when you're looking at the decks of cards in the box you're like what is this card oh sorry these cards are only for solo play wait what is this token what is this little chart oh these are all materials and components for solo play a lot of people oh i'm never gonna use these so like put them in a ziploc bag throw them in their attic they never use them there are no solo play components in this game Mm. that is one of the reasons why i enjoy spirit island solo play so much and it's one of the reasons why i actually do this game so 
solo. It's the only game so far that I have done solo because I don't have to learn an entire new rule set. I find so much play enjoyment the playing this game solo. Yeah. I love it. Especially, I love it too. So I like the two spirit because then... Yeah, you like doing two-handed. I like doing... That's a majority, by the way. In my experience, the vast majority of people who do solo games are indeed playing by themselves, but they're playing with multiple spirits at the same time. I think I like it because I love the cooperative aspect of playing with other people, but there's something about there's no more cooperation than what's going inside my head, especially mm. if I'm playing two-handed. I'm like... Perfect synergy. It's perfect synergy. River and ocean. I know exactly where ocean's gonna push this. I don't need to discuss it. I can just plan it all out. Right. I'm gonna pick up this card for ocean because right. this will also help river. Right. That's why I like that. Mm -hmm. But solo is tough. I'm sorry, y'all. I it can't is. do it. It's tough. It is. It Ugh. is tough. And it's tough in a way that a lot of people aren't really used to because it's critical that you stop incoming blight yeah. or stop incoming damage. I you feel just have so to be under ace. a microscope, honestly. Yeah. Or under a magnifying glass and yeah. the light's hitting me like an right. ant or something. I just feel, oh, all you eyes on me. You feel very spread thin. You know yeah. what I mean? All of your capabilities feel very much like Bilbo. <laughs> I feel like butter. Scraped over too much bread. Oh, Bilbo. <laughs> but yeah, that's Ding, how it is. There's our one Lord of the Rings quota that we have to meet every episode. No, oh, it's, it's required now. <laughs> oh, I directly mentioned it. Oh, sorry, um, what were we talking about? Uh, anyway. Anyway. Oh, wait, okay. I have my secondary tier. The first tier was Wildfire and Vengeance. Second ah, right. One, yeah, 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 yeah. I, like you had touched on, Stone makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, more to work with. Volcano, more to mm. work with. And then I want to get more into Mist. Mm. Because I think, I think this so helped Miss because like you said, for a lot of spirits, like you have me that first ravage is tough. Mm -hmm. Or like the second ravage. Like mm -hmm. the first three to four turns are eh, like dicey sometimes. Mm -hmm. So Mist is in my top three yeah. as far as my top favorite spirits, which by the way, if you had to ask me who are your top three favorite or Ooh. who is your favorite from each iteration of the game, base, branch and claw, and That's uh, not fair. I don't get room for branch and claw. There's only two. I know, but someone asked me that question and I'm like, oh, green fangs missed. Okay. Like, really? Fangs and mist? I'm like, I'm sorry. You didn't pick Keeper? <laughs> Keeper OP. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, fun is the metric I care about. Yeah. And I have the most fun with mist and fangs. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know that you can get more success, statistically speaking, with Keeper. Yes, I know you can get statistically more success with stone over mist or whatever yeah. i have a ton of fun with mist but all this to say that with mist even though i play that character a lot and i think i'm actually pretty decent with mist you are you pretty much can't stop one or two blights in your early game you are probably going to blight once or twice in the early game yeah yes i know that with some scenarios and events and other like really favorable card draws card or... draws and maybe fear card things you might be able to do it perfectly and cool sweet i'm not saying that can't happen i'm just saying generally speaking Speaking, the early game for Mist isn't the best, so you usually have a Blight coming in yeah. and whatnot. So I'm agreeing to your point that this new Blight threshold will be helpful for Mist. I think so too. That's why I wanted to get your opinion on it. But I'm curious, what ways do you think it helps? Again, I've only played Mist once, so it feels weird giving like a whole lot of advice, but I did feel a little sluggish. Not like Earth slow yeah. in the beginning. I'm like one turn away, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I'm just like so close to my... You know, yeah, it does feel like that at times. So, yeah, it does. Especially with solo play or two-player games, I think this one extra cushion is really going to help Miss. And then you can like spread out more and milk more of the towns and the yeah. cities and stuff. And mm. you really don't have to feel like you're losing presence if you get a bad blight card right. or something if something bad flips. Because Mist, mm -hmm. as you know, I don't want to like tell you talking to the wizard here. 
Mist needs their presence. <laughs> they do. To generate fear in the time passes phase. It's true. So you really don't want to flip that blight card if you yeah. get a bad one. In what way does this actually benefit Mist? It just helps with the thresholds of seeing how a blight was going to enter anyway. It just helps the entire threshold for the whole team. Yeah. So I think what this actually does, the actual quintessential buff to Mist that this is, is it makes Mist more of a viable player for lower player count games. Mm. That's the biggest thing. Mist is slightly slightly more viable in lower player count games I think it now. jumps Miss up again maybe another tier because for you little, anyway well yeah because in lower player counts less fear to get yeah. fear cards and what is Miss best at getting hey, fear getting cards. fear yeah. so I think Miss turns into like aspect shadows or Bowdan where like mm-hmm. it gets silly we're like oh you just generated four fear this turn yeah you know it's in like a blink of an eye <laughs> seriously those turns in your mid game where it's like and three fear and yeah. three fear and three fear and four fear and four fear it's so consistent fear. in addition to everything else you did and, and if it's a fear. lower player Account where you only need fear. eight fear, you're oh. generating half the yeah. fear like nothing. We gotta make sure that we stay on task. We can't let this turn into a missed <laughs> love, miss episode. love episode. Okay, my last tier. You mentioned Trixer. I agree. Trixer yeah. doesn't like to clean up light unless it randomly draws a card that cleans right. up light. I feel like Trixer when it draws like eh. <laughs> like do I have to? It's like yes, you have to play it. So I'm like, Boomer. Well, me as a human player, I actually don't mind when let's see what happens pulls a blight healing card because like, that's Ryan thinking. You got you got <laughs> you got. Become the character. Go method. <laughs> method acting. <laughs> you become trickster. Right, it's true. For me, I like being able to get around cleaning up messes as a drag. I can picture being like, oh, nice. Or something <laughs> like, oh, hey. Hey, sweetie. <laughs> I have done that. I have done a little fist bump. I was like, mm, yes, I got it. What do you think about fractured benefiting from this? Hmm. <laughs> well, honestly, the same as any other spirit, pretty much. There's not a lot of presence. My thought was they don't have a lot of presence on the board. Right, on so the, the loss of presence, perhaps, is more like, critical against them. They're not able to get to as many lands if there's, you know, two ravages or something. Or... I guess I can see that. I think a decent or a well-versed Fractured Days player is going to be unaffected by this. Team. Time Lord? Time Lord Fractured? <laughs> yeah, I think that a new person, a new player, a player that is playing Fractured for the first time or second time, maybe? Yeah. But just like I said, any other spirit, in general, this is a buff, so I think Fractured Days in this same way got buffed a little bit, as all the spirits did, if you want to look at it this way. Not because they got specifically buffed by it, but just because the general difficulty of the game just got just a wee little bit easier. Yeah, maybe we should put in that disclaimer, every spirit benefits from this. From this. And not because it directly affects their gameplay style or how they are structured as a player, but more because the game's difficulty just got lowered a smidgen. So that's why I'm saying this blight thing makes the entire game slightly easier, but there are a select few to whom this actually buffs. And like I said, I think that Wildfire, the Vengeance, I think the slow characters get a little bit buffed. Definitely Shadows, because we've we've lamented on Shadows' early game with that zero energy and low card plays, and you're like, ugh, this first Ravage, because it comes up so fast, that first Ravage. It does, and that card that they have only stops Dahan from dying, but it does nothing against the land. And Shifting Memory also has this as well, because they also have a card that does pretty much the same thing. I'm not talking about every single thing that it does, but I'm talking about the Share Secrets of Survival, which is the fact that you can keep Dahan specifically from dying. Extra Blight penalizes slow starts less. Right, and and in Shadow's case, it's Concealing Shadows, is what I'm speaking of, if you want me to be specific, yeah. And then the rest, I didn't want to, like, break them down, but those are the ones that stood out to me. Yeah, just off the 
cusp, this is what I think of when I think of the blight change and how it really affects. I think that those specific adversaries like Sweden, Scotland, Habsburg, France, I think those matchups have shifted into a slightly more favorable position to the player. I think the slow spirits got a little bit buffed. I think that the blight users got buffed. And in general, the entire game just got a little bit easier. I'm going to throw you a curveball. What's up? With the adversaries, I think Brandenburg, Prussia, because they speed up the game and that mm-hmm. stage three invader card comes up just mm. a wee bit faster, mm. it's hard to like defend four lands because they ravage yeah. two lands and I can on see each what tile. You mean. Yeah, I think that'll, I can see what you mean. That's that'll a good help point. out because they're so point. fast. They are. I guess if you're playing a slow spirit against the fast adversary, yeah. that extra blight will be like, I can blight mm-hmm. twice and I'll still be okay. I'm curious to see in what ways this will affect certain scenarios too. Ooh, yeah, good point. Because the whole game changes irrevocably when you start adding crazy combinations of this specific build of a spirit in this specific event card that's happening with this specific scenario against this adversary. You can see how all of these things, each one of them adds slightly different rules to various things and how do they all clash. There could be some matchups that are just a little bit like wonky and huh? And maybe throughout future games, now that we have this change, we will be able to identify these strange changes as well. Remember listening from home, whether this is now or in the future, this for us is is very raw off the cuff. Yeah. We haven't played with this new rule yet. Not yet. We haven't, like you said, dived into the scenarios. Right. This just happened, guys. <laughs> this just happened. We haven't done a whole lot of research. Honestly, we'll probably be talking about this in passing in a comment here or there. Oh, yeah. Just going on. And there will come a time when we will have played the game with this change longer than we've played the game without it at some point in life. Sure. That'll be three and a half years from now, four years <laughs> from now, but... <laughs> but it will happen eventually. But it will happen eventually. We'll be like, Mickey, Mickey. All of these old timey Spirit Island players looking at all these new kids that have their plus one blight allowance threshold. <laughs> Back in my day, Shadows had no aspects. <laughs> I remember when. <laughs> I was there in the dark days. Ooh, one cool thing about France, you mentioned like slow ecosystem healing. I forget the name yeah, of it. Yeah, slowly healing ecosystem. We can look it up, but we're not going. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Lena, for the listeners at home. Oh, I almost had it. Slow healing ecosystem. I said slowly healing. Usually it would go to that instead of the blight card. Right. When you would remove blight from the board, put it here instead of on the blight card. Then as soon as you have three blight per player on this card, move it all back to the blight card. So you would always blight out. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) But now this extra one changes it. Mm -hmm. So that helps. And Stone's like, huh? (laughs) Stone, don't care. I love Stone. (laughs) We love Stone. So then I think another tweak that was actually pretty interesting was a Badlands tweak. Ooh. Yeah, Badlands was recently introduced in Jagged Earth, and the official change is Badlands doesn't have to affect the first instance of damage in an action. Now, I've already seen people be like, Huh? Doesn't come up a lot. Why would that seem beneficial to me? Why would I actually want that? For lo, isn't Badlands usually a good thing? Mm -hmm. Don't I usually want Badlands? As soon as possible. And if I can get extra damage out there, don't I want that? You are correct. However, there are very specific cards currently, and I'm guessing there will be cards in the future Mm -hmm. that will be very important to have this rule established. Because, for example, there are cards like Pyroclastic 
bombardment that say, first, in the target land, deal one damage to each building and to Han. So that's every town, every city, and each to Han. Then, once that has resolved, then do one damage. And you get to choose where that goes. Then, after that, do one damage to Dahan. So, if it is now true that Badlands doesn't have to affect the first instance of damage in an action, this means that for Pyroclastic Bombardment, that first one I mentioned, the one that said, in the target land, do one damage to each building and to Han, well, you don't have to do the damage buff on there, because what if you had to Han in there? <clears throat> That's two damage, they did. Yep. Or at least, depending on who you have in that land, if there's no Dahan there, pff, go ahead. Go for it. If there's only bad guys in there, yeah. sure, you can put the bonus damage there if you'd like. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to. This means that the human player doesn't have to have as many friendly fire incidents where it was on accident that you killed Dahan. You, the player, have a little bit more control over how friendly fire damage can be accidentally applied. How you, the player, manage friendly fire is just a little bit more efficient. You now. get to decide. Yep. And like I said, for right now, there aren't a ton of cards or powers that make this incredibly useful, but I think that there will be in the future and even if it was just for this one card specifically this is really handy mm -hmm. because this is one of the cards where I accidentally killed a lot of Dahan not because I wanted to but because I had played Lava Flows there earlier and there was a Badlands there and I was like oh yeah and I was like well Sorry, a lot of people died. <laughs> we love our Dahan. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> because it says do one damage to each Dahan, and then the third instance says one damage to a Dahan. So I'm like, oh, crap, I have to do it. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to. Could you push him out of the land first? <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, well. So that was something I thought was interesting was the whole Badlands tweak there. It doesn't completely change it, but I no. think that is, once again, another change that is slightly favorable to the player. One thing that is interesting, though, for me personally, I think this is probably the next big one, and that is the end game trigger has changed. No longer is it, oh, the game ends immediately after the action that clinched the game for you. We have a new term. We do. We have a few new terms, oh, actually. That's true, yeah. and we're not going to go over all of them, guys. That's going to take a lot of time, and we're going to leave the link here. So if you want to look at all of these on your own time, feel free. But now we have something, a new change of verbiage, which is an initial action and all triggered actions that result from it are called an action tree. So basically, if one action does a thing and that thing triggers another thing and that thing triggers another thing and you have a chain of actions, they now call it an action tree tree. Like branches. Yeah, because this happened, then that branched off to this, which yep. did that, so just a domino effect. It's describing the domino effect that some actions can have in this game. So now, it's very similar. No longer does victory or defeat happen right at the end of an action, but rather, it will happen at the end of an action tree. And this may come up sometimes. It might. Sometimes, who knows, maybe something can save you from the brink, or be like, ha ha, I won! And then, well, let's play it out, and... No! Or you'll have one of those sacrifice victories. you have where, a sacrifice yeah. victory where technically you won, but since you had to play it all out, they actually got a defeat condition on you, and it was like a wash. And you're like, ah, crap. I would rather take a wash than before, at least on Steam, mm -hmm. it'll just be like, defeat. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, sadness. You so died. So, in this way, I think the game got a little bit harder. Just a little bit. Okay. Because now, the bad guys have just a little bit more time yeah. to hurt you. Or there was a thing that was able to come in and 
sneak in right at the end and mm-hmm. take something away from you. It's not the biggest change. I think that this is going to show up more often when you have more modules in play, like events and scenarios and adversaries. If you're doing a normal game without any of these things, I don't really think this is going to show up a whole lot. No. But I'm just saying you now have the chance to have victory taken away from you just a little bit more. Is it a little change? Yes, it's very minuscule, I think, but it is still a change nonetheless. A lot of these are, and you brought up events, and it kind of got me thinking, I think that is what changes with the Branch and Claw and Jagger. Obviously, events were introduced, but in the base game, it is so nice where there was no randomness, right? Right. It was just like, the only random thing was where they're about to explore. Right, and the card you got. But with events, and, like, you counter can, cards. Yeah, we've exclaimed and shouted and been upset about rough events that we've had in the past. And some events just like add blight, and you can't do nothing to stop it. Dude, there are people in the Discord today talking about events. Like, hey, do you guys use events? What do you all think about events? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, a lot of people say that they're neutral, but, you know, the game devs mentioned they're supposed to help you. I'm like, what games are you playing? <laughs> they have always hurt me. You have bad I shuffles. I hate events. So I think the extra blight, it kind of is like negates it, where maybe you'll do blights from a random event that you yeah. couldn't stop, but then like, oh, well, we did have one yeah. extra blight to start the game. Right. I think it does offset a little bit. I just have, a little bit. Guys, I just have incredibly bad luck with events. That's all. I know that it's statistically likely to help. They just screw me over all the time. <laughs> you all are. the time. Well, that one game that we had, like, <laughs> who were you playing against? Oh, man. Which time? Oh, boy. Can you name for me, Ryan, uh, all the times you got screwed over by these stupid cards? The one where you were playing Finder <laughs> and the event made us flip the card and then we started losing one presence every round. Remember Finder's card, Offer Passage Between Worlds? Yes. And how I- that one can keep Dahan alive? Well, I had my two Dahan as my elite Zero Dark Thirty Special <laughs> Forces team. And events were like, eh, dead. All right, I'll use these guys instead. Eh, dead. I'm like, stop <laughs> killing my Dahan. <laughs> then I play as Fangs. Another game. Fine. I'll go play as Fangs. Events come in. Kill six of my beasts. <laughs> I had like eight. <laughs> Freaking stop it! Me. I hate it. Turn your presence into beast, Ryan. Come on. I can only do that once a turn. <laughs> like, so I have yet to be convinced that events are a good thing. I love them. <laughs> I'm turned, happy for you. I've completely turned. I say through gritted teeth. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, John. Anyway, but like uh, you said, not not a whole lot of like major changes yeah. in this release, but the blight one mm-hmm. was like the big thing. Honestly, for me personally, those were the biggest ones. The blight change, which I think affects everyone. Yeah. The Badlands tweak, which will only happen very rarely for the time being. Yeah. Perhaps that will come up more often in the future with new expansion content. And the end game trigger will change. be the biggest change. To me personally, those were the three biggest ones. And Eric himself even said that all these changes, which I've just described three, this whole FAQ is not meant for every player to be like, all right, guys, print it out. Look at this newspaper. Well, it was funny because there was read com- it all out. <laughs> there was you a comment I mean? on BGG where someone said, my goodness, this FAQ, I've played the game nearly 50 times and now I wonder if I've actually played the game right. And then Eric responded to that. You totally have right in quotations equals consistent enough that it's a game and you had fun. Mm-hmm. I love that. Aspect. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And that's 
we're putting in, fun first above everything and else. You said, didn't you say that's in the original rule book? I can't remember which one yep. that is. If like if you miss one, yeah, that's in the base game rule book. If you caught yourself in a mistake, just learn from it, and move forward. No worries, fam. <laughs> mm-hmm. Continuing Eric's response, the overwhelming majority of FAQ items are pretty rarely relevant and don't have a huge impact on the game if you misplay them. The FAQ, as immense as it is, because it's meant to be searched if you have a question, mm-hmm. not digested as lore. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I'm very, very happy because, like I said, there are some times when you're looking at these FAQs and clarifications on ridiculously specific instances. Ridiculously specific things. And you're like, okay, well, technically this happens here, this happens there. Now, this triggered action over here does this nested action. Now, since that didn't trigger itself, this one over here goes this and blah, blah, blah. And they start to get in these really technical verbiage like we described earlier. And you just start to, uh, okay, you're starting to lose. Eyes glaze over. Yep. Yeah. And so this whole FAQ thing, like you were saying, isn't supposed to be a read every word and apply every single ounce of it to your lives. It's if you have a question, we now have the net for those of you who fall into those specific instances so that you can get the clarification that you need. But the general stuff, here it is. It's a good resource because I don't read the FAQ for everything. But sometimes you and I are just like us Mm -hmm. playing in general. We're like, wait, what happens if this power triggers this one? I think that's a majority of how players play games, honestly. Hence the reason for FAQs. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason why we call FAQs FAQs and not the rule book. Because we read the rule book to get yeah. the general understanding of play. We don't read the rule book for every single little possible thing that could happen. Right. So if you do find yourself on that one street and you hit the cul-de-sac and you're like, whoa, what the, what do I do what here? What happens now? You now have your roadmap to get you back to the main freeway of yeah. a streamlined game. So that is the point, I think, of a FAQ in the first place was to help the player to get back to the general state of play. It's a great resource. Good roadmap to get you back to the general state of play. If you take one thing away from this podcast or the link or just this whole thing is the blights. One extra blight and And the end game trigger. And the end game trigger, yeah, for sure. I think the blight and the end game trigger are the most broad change. The one that's going to affect everyone. Yes, the high level players doing crazy, ridiculous, crazy games. Yeah. But this will also affect the players who are doing just the base difficulties with the low mm-hmm. complexity characters that has the most straightforward, easier games as well. How does it change it? Well, it depends on what you have in play. But this does change everyone's It game. does. And, and even, it changes it for the better. Yeah. I think. Even if you don't have a blight card, mm-hmm. you still add one to where now you have six blight. Mm-hmm. It's for setup. One random tangent. I can't get this out of my head. I mm-hmm. think Wildfire might surpass Lightning now as offensive spirits for me. For you, honestly, this might sound weird and it might sound sacrilegious. Thunder Speaker's still at my top. <laughs> Don't kill me for this next statement. What? But the more I play base lightning, the more I like other attackers. <laughs> really? I love base lightning. Lightning's you know, How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying lightning is useless. I think it's just a preference thing. Because there are other attackers that can do things or are structured in a way that maybe they have a slightly better or smoother, to my opinion, reclaim cycle or something or more consistent damage. When I've played lightning, when the game first came out, I'm like, oh, I love lightning. And yeah. I still love lightning. But now that I've played volcano a few times, I'm like, I'm really liking volcano. Oh, yeah. So forgive me if I make the statement that playing volcano makes me want to play lightning less. <laughs> 
it's not as if I have the presence of hatred for Lightning. I have the absence of love that I once had because I'm like, well, I just like this character's system yeah. better, you know? More self-sufficient. Yep. No, that is a preference statement. And so, like you said when you were saying, how does this change affect the offensive spirits? You got Thunderspeaker, you got Ocean, yeah. Wildfire, Keeper Lightning. King turn into one. Obviously, these are characters that have great offense. I would agree, though. Seriously, I think that this does increase Wildfire a little bit. And in your mind, you are saying that this change it's... might even place Wildfire on par or even ahead of Lightning for you? Because of the Blight change and Bad lands yeah so now every time you place a presence if you place it on a bad lands it's just like mm-hmm. so much damage multiplier not right. so much but even this one extra damage yeah base lightning doesn't really it just destroy can't really utilize badlands tokens as well as wildfire can can they no i just thought about that yeah raging storm can I getting hate, a single hate, damage from and that i hate though. playing that card yeah because there's a lot of destroy effects on all of lightning's powers and but wildfire doesn't really have a whole lot of those and we're talking base lightning if you want to bring up wind i I actually consider Wind Lightning more of a support now. I do. I do love Wind Lightning. I have to say. I wouldn't even say that's that offensive. Yes, I understand they still have their offensive. Right, but the thing is, is Wind Lightning can't go and change all the speed things because they lose Swiftness of Lightning, which is very beneficial for card draws for base Lightning. True. Or any Lightning that still has Swiftness of Lightning. I say that because who knows, maybe they might get another aspect in the future, I don't know. Could be. But the capability to change any card to make it fast for yourself without Lightning's boon is very helpful for Lightning in the fact that you can grab a lot of powers from the Major or Minor Power deck and and tweak it so that it's fast. Yeah. Even a lot of extra cards that you don't start with are helped by this. Wind, unfortunately, can't do that to the same degree. They can only it's do not one. Not to the same degree, yeah. So they still can do it. They still have that little bit of identity to themselves. And they still have Lightning's Boon. Right, and they still have Lightning's Boon, but now they might actually be playing it on themselves. <laughs> which is so funny because I usually hardly ever right, play it is, on myself. Which is just a silly thing to say, but it's true. But anyway, I think that base Lightning was a little bit more flexible for offense and wind Lightning, I think. I think I'm agreeing with you. Wind Lightning isn't as... Uh, Offensive-minded. Offensively capable yeah. or equipped to take advantage of offense cards. So I would put Wind Lightning as a support spirit as well. When I think support spirits, I think of Serpent. I think of Shifting Memory. Mm-hmm. And I now think of Wind Lightning. But yeah, I can't wait to play Wildfire. I can't wait to see you play Wildfire. Oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm excited. I mentioned earlier that we're probably going to be talking about this just for a long time. These changes like, oh yeah, I did this for the first time and hey, this was the first game I played since the change and I thought that oh, and I did this one thing and because of this happened, it was really cool or it was really bad because and we're going to give reasons. Well, this wasn't even going to be super random. As some people know, we have an adversary series that we're jumping into. We are preparing and getting all of our ducks in a row for the production of the adversary series and then this just came up out of nowhere. We were just texting randomly on whatever day it was. I'm like, we should talk about this right you are correct this was just dropped on us we had no idea that this was going to happen so we had no way to prepare for this right so i hope you don't mind the slightly more informal approach that we've had but like we said we're just giving you our first impressions this just happened so yeah if you have more questions or thoughts on the threads that eric posted on reddit and bgg there's a lot of comments of people breaking this down and it got a lot of feedback a lot of feedback and eric replied to a lot of them too which is awesome what a great game developer that we have that is 
incredibly useful, by the way. Incredibly awesome to see when a developer and designer, honestly, anyone from any board game company who is so involved, in, right, to be involved with that. When you have the staff of the game development team being involved with the community, heck, it doesn't even have to be board games, anything. When you have a product and you have the people that made the product continually being involved with it, with the player base, the consumer base, whatever you want to call yeah. it. But when you have that in kind of corporation, that is something that is seriously healthy for both the development team and the consumer base. Yeah. And having this connection is beneficial for the healthy lifespan of both sides. I think there's two reasons why, honestly, this game is thriving right now. It just passed sight. I don't know if yeah. you saw that in BGT. It did. I did see that. I'm like, yes. Like the, and on Reddit, it's gaining followers yes. every day. And there's so much talk about this game because it's a great game. Right. When you have a development team that's connected to the player And base, they're so connected. That increases for a multitude of reasons the longevity for the entire game and the relationship that you have to both the company to the game from the developers to the people you have a willingness on both sides and it's really encouraging honestly eric royce is the most connected designer i've ever seen you play a lot of board games mm-hmm. and back things on kickstarter mm-hmm. and you know are involved in a lot of board game communities mm-hmm. and now i don't want to by accident say that other developers out there are now bad or aren't doing their job because there's a plethora of people i'm sure that i'm just simply not aware of who are doing the exact same thing Way to cover yourself. All I'm saying (laughs) is props to you, Eric, for... He's just showing signs that he's just a good human. And I applaud. Good dude. Props to you, fam. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I think that's it. I want to play Vengeance again, too. I know. This changes the scape. Just having another bullet in the clip, you know? It's like one extra blight that I can do more damage with. But it all adds up. I know it all adds up. Oh, when you're playing Vengeance, you're always going to play the island. (laughs) I think you just got to accept that. You're like, oh, Vengeance is on our team? There's a challenge. Do a game where Vengeance is on the field and the blight card doesn't flip. Have as many healers as possible have downpour you know, like sunshine river have earth just anyone stone to drag it out stone to drag it out have starlight there and have them go into a water centric build just oh, yeah, yeah. get the blight as clean as possible so that vengeance can just go and just completely throw blight everywhere. What an odd thing that would look like with all this blight on the island piece. Just and one, it's completely clear, and then there's pig pen in the corner. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> For Charlie Brown. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, that's a disaster over there. <laughs> but we won. <laughs> a dub's a dub. Dub's a dub. So, anyway, there that, we go. That's it. And that's all, folks. Ba da ba 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 This was fun. Yeah, yeah, thanks for listening. Sorry, hopefully we were too hey, guys, We're just two bozos in the closet in the back of my house. So, <laughs> I'm sure that other people have much better analysis of this whole thing. And I'm sure that you all have various feelings and comments about it. Let's get a conversation going. Put it in the comments if you really want to yeah. voice something. Or maybe there's something that is really glaring to you that we missed. Something that you're like, dude, how can you forget that? Or how can you overlook that? Hey, let us know. Yeah, there is a lot of things released in the errata. Yeah. That we didn't even touch on yeah so. multiple pages of things that we didn't even mention so, so yeah if you think something stands out more to you mention in the comments because we are still continuing learning about this game right on all right guys i'm hungry i'm gonna get some food all right okay <laughs> see y'all just to commit to the informal nature of this episode peace out what do you got for dinner <laughs> that is for me to know <laughs> oh hey really quick right before we go episode 20 has an end credit scene that i'm afraid some of you may have missed and we want you to listen to it because we want feedback yes quick listen to it if you haven't while time permits okay Go now! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kindred Spirit Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. Feel free to visit us on our Instagram and Facebook page. 
You can find me on our Facebook page at The Kindred Spirit Podcast. To get a hold of John, check out our Instagram page at the KSP123. We look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in future episodes.